0: Seated and turn to Deuteronomy. We're going to be reading two passages. First of all, starting in chapter four, and then continuing on to chapter five. If you're using the large print sheets, you will start on one page in terms of Deuteronomy chapter four, and then you'll have to turn. I think it's on. I think it's turn it over to the next page, uh, to the back side of it uh, for Deuteronomy chapter five. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 14 through 36, and then chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. So if you're using a pew Bible, you'll find this starting on page 247 and continuing on to 248, page 247. Continuing on to page 248, Deuteronomy chapter 4, we'll be reading verses 14 through 36. Here now, the word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 14. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people, an inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve God's, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice for the Lord your God is a merciful God he will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them for ask now concerning the days that are past which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fires you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by mighty hand and outstretched arm, and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown, that you might know the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And then turn to the next page, or Turn over if you're using a large print sheet. Deuteronomy 5, verses 8 through 10, page 249 in your pew Bible. Deuteronomy 5, this is the second giving of the law. That's why the book is called Deuteronomy, Deus, Deutero, Nomos Law, the second giving of the law. This is now the second time when the Ten Commandments were given. Deuteronomy 5, verses 8 through 10. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. God bless this word. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are today, once again, considering, as part of our series on the law of God, we're considering the second commandment. The second commandment. We know, of course, that we are to obey the law for three basic reasons as we look at the preface to the Ten Commandments. First of all, because God is the Lord. He is the creator. I am the Lord, he says. I am the Lord. Not only that, but because we are his covenant people. God says, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. You belong to me. I belong to you. And thirdly, because he has shown us such great favor, even as he rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt, so he has rescued us out of the prison house of sin. We've also looked at the idea that the law is spiritual, meaning a variety of things. It means, first of all, it's been given by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But it's also spiritual in another way, in that it's it's expansive, that is to say, Whatever is forbidden, the opposite is required, and vice versa. So when God says, for example, children, obey your parents, honor your father and your mother, it means, of course, don't disobey. In other words, don't treat them with disrespect. Uh, When the Bible says you shall not murder or you shall not kill positively, it means you shall preserve life and so forth. So each of the commandments has a positive and has a negative. Whatever is forbidden, the opposite is required and vice versa. But especially in terms of the second commandment, the spiritual nature of God is emphasized. That is to say, God is a spirit. He has not a body like men. He has no physical existence. He transcends all physicality. And especially regarding the second commandment, that idea of who God is, that he's not someone you you can put in a box, you can't put him in a test tube, you can't comprehend God, he is incomprehensible, you can't bring him down to your level, he is totally transcendent and pure spirit. That idea of who God actually is as a spiritual being is emphasized in the second commandment, which tells us do not make any image of God and do not worship by means of that. So positively, as we look at the second commandment, we see that we are to worship God. And we've already considered what worship was. Over the last several weeks, worship is giving to God that which is due to him. It is giving to him that which is his right. Specifically, it is giving God a hearing coming into his special presence, coming into a special presence, giving God a hearing and responding to him in commanded acts of faith and love. That's why we're so careful in this church to make sure that we follow the Bible. Because God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to be worshipped your way. He doesn't want to be worshipped my way. He wants to be worshipped his way. That's the point. No unauthorized worship. That's the essence of the second commandment. And so, worship is special. It's different from the rest of life. It's dialogical. It's in the form of a back and forth. We hear God in his word, we hear God through the preached word and the red word, we respond to him in the praying of prayer and the singing of psalms. Now negatively, then, we are not to worship God improperly nor engage in superstitious practices. We are not to worship God improperly nor engage in superstitious practices or in any unauthorized way. The worst example of unauthorized worship is worshiping by means of an image. Indeed, we are not even to make an image of God. And so that's our theme then for today's sermon. The law condemns making an image of God or worshiping by means of an image. The law condemns making an image of God or worshiping by means of an image. So let's first of all look at the idea of worshiping by means of an image. And this is an obvious and straightforward prohibition. We are not to worship other gods by means of images, but we are also not to worship the true and living God by means of images. And so we ask the question then, why not? Well first of all because God is a spirit and we saw this of course in Deuteronomy chapter 4 in our reading for today where, where God says through Moses God says, God is ultimately speaking it's Moses of course who is giving this you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire you saw no form did you? You saw no form Because God is invisible. Children, can you see God? No, but He always sees me, as the Children's Catechism tells us. He always sees me, He always sees you. But you cannot see God. He is invisible, He is transcendent, He is above us, He is infinite. You can't confine Him, you can't put Him in a box. He is incomprehensible, we know certain things about God but even the things that we know we, we barely just scratch the surface of those and so first of all then God is a spirit can't be pictured in that sense but also then secondly using images inevitably detracts from his glory And especially because he himself says don't do it, matter of fact we're going to see it over and over and over again in the passages today, if there's one thing you come away with, don't do it. Don't worship God by means of an image. Using images inevitably detracts from his glory. Indeed, using images inevitably leads to our worshiping the creation rather than the creator, because that's what you focus on. When you have an image of God, that's what you think of. That's what you focus on. And that takes away from the glory of God. So, we see we are are forbidden to worship by means of an image. But some people would say, but what about making an image? I'm not going to worship by means. Why can't I make an image? Well, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, there are over 100 Old Testament references to the word, what is trans, uh, uh, translated at least, as image. Various words are used. And I just want to look at some of these here with you. Of course, again, we can just barely scratch the surface. The first word is pestle, P-E-S-E-L, pestle, which means graven image. It appears about 47 times in the Old Testament. This is the word that is uh, used, uh, for example, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy 4. You saw no form, and uh, uh, and then, unless you act corruptly, you make for yourselves a carved image in the form, in the image of any figure. Um, As a matter of fact, this is the same word that is used in the second commandment as in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. Notice the comprehensiveness of the prohibition of making any image. You're not to make any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. How many times, think about this. You know what astrology is? We're talking about astronomy. Astrology? It's worshiping by means of trying to discern what's going, going to happen in the future by looking at at uh, at the chart at the star charts, right? Uh, looking at the um, uh, the uh, the zodiac and so forth. And so this is this is the tendency of man is to is perhaps to idolize the sun or the moon or or the stars. So the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, no matter what it is. It's comprehensive, this prohibition. Do not make this kind of an image. There's another word called matseva, which is used uh, about 17 times in the Old Testament. This is connected with, uh, but still different from idolatry. As a matter of fact, we see in 1 Chronicles 31, that getting rid of these images, getting rid of these images, was a sign of revival in ancient Israel. You want revival in the church? Let's get rid of all the images in all the churches in this country. Asa, 2 Chronicles 14. Asa did a good job, a good deed by getting rid of them. Thirdly, you have Selim, T S E L E M, Selim, which is image. Uh, it's used uh, seven times in the Old Testament, but another sixteen in Daniel. In Daniel, it's used in chapter two, the world as a symbol of the worldly kingdom that is smashed. You remember by that by that mount, by that um, uh, rock that comes down out of the mountain, smashes that image that is a symbol of worldly power. But the next chapter, chapter three, what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He sets up. A tall statue that's about 90 feet tall, and ask everyone to bow down before that image. Maseka, molten image, used about 26 times. If you look at um, Numbers uh, 33, Numbers chapter 33, uh, verse 52, this is a very interesting uh, verse. Numbers 33, verse uh, 52. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. And so this then refers um, to a variety of things, including pictures and molten idols. There's another word, kamanim, Means images, used seven times. Teraphim, idols, used seven times, as in Genesis 31 when Rachel hid the idol that she had, the family idol. Nesek, molten image, used four times. And finally, semel, S E M E L, figure, idol, or image. So let's look at this now. Is it okay? as long as we don't worship God by means of an image, is it okay to make an image? Absolutely not. Every reference in the Bible to an image in this kind of religious context, every reference in the Bible is condemnatory. God is making it as clear as day. And therefore, such images are clearly forbidden. It does not mean that all art is taboo. Some of us enjoy painting or sketching or whatever but it's not in a religious or worship context. The command not to make an image notice the command in the second commandment not to make an image is different from the command not to bow down nor serve it. So in other words God says don't bow down or serve it But he begins the second commandment by saying, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Don't even go in that direction. Don't make it. And so every reference is condemnatory. Secondly, images and idols are necessarily connected. Images and idols are necessarily connected. Images are the visible manifestation of idols. And we could go through in scripture. We won't take the time today. I'll just mention a few places, though, for you to, to look at. Uh, Leviticus 19.4, Leviticus 26.1, uh, Isaiah 2, verses 8 and 18, Ezekiel 6.6 6, and 20.24, 20, and other places as well. So everywhere in the Bible, when it talks about images, it often talks about idols. They are, these these two things are related. If you worship by means of an image, basically you are worshiping by means of an idol. But then thirdly, not only is every reference condemnatory, not only are images and idols necessarily connected But thirdly, false worship inevitably results. When you make an image, false worship inevitably is the result. Images debase our view of God, who cannot be represented by a dead image without doing great dishonor to him. It's just, it's, as we sing from Psalm 115, what can they do? They have mouths that can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears that they can't hear. They have hands, but they can't handle. Why in the world would we bring God down to such a level? So images debase our view of God. Images, therefore, inevitably call, cause idolatrous worship. And this is true with regard, listen to me carefully, I'm going to step on a few toes. This is true with regard to pictures of Christ. His divine nature cannot be pictured at all. You can't picture him in terms of his being God. His, but his body, as it is now glorified, cannot be pictured as it is. His body cannot be pictured as it is. And here are the horns of the dilemma. Let's say that a picture, a picture of Jesus is useful for stirring up devotion. Some people carry pictures of Jesus. Maybe I want to have this. It, it, it helps me in terms of my devotion. If that is true then that involves worshiping by means of an image or picture, which is precisely what God is here prohibiting. But if such a picture does not stir up devotion, then what's the point? It is vain and useless. So I have two points of application today, and the first is this. Avoid making or looking at images of God, avoid it like the plague. Avoid it like the plague. Stay away from such things. And especially, stay away from any visible portrayal of Jesus. Stay away from pictures of a black Jesus. Stay away from pictures of Jesus as a blue-eyed blonde. Stay away from any other portrayal of Jesus. And this warning against pictures of Jesus is particularly directed against movies. You may be aware of the Jesus film that's been used by missionaries all around the world. Or you may remember about 20 years ago, The Passion of the Christ. I wrote a letter when I was pastoring in Virginia. I wrote a letter. It was responded to by the local priest, one of the local priest, But I wrote a letter in the local newspaper, the Coalfield Times, I think it was. Um, counseling people do not go to see The Passion of the Christ. Do not do it. Stay away. For you see, when you see an actor portraying Christ, you cannot help but be moved by that. But that's precisely the problem. Worship is inevitably the result, which means worshiping the actor rather than Christ. That's the point. And these images get seared in the mind and are very hard to get rid of. It's like pornography. It's like pornography. Stay away. Furthermore, the actors themselves are also negatively impacted. There was some years ago a Presbyterian Church in America congregation in Florida They're still doing this. A visit to to Bethlehem. So they have a, a manger scene. And they have folks coming up, worshiping the baby Jesus, presenting gifts to the baby Jesus. You see. And it affects, negatively impacts, the parents who think this is perfectly legitimate. You see. Oh, what a wonderful experience I had. My friends, it is not good for your soul. It is not good the actor's souls either stay away these pictures of Jesus are idolatrous and thereby are of the devil who would attack Jesus's glory but secondly do look to Jesus by faith rather than by sight do look to Jesus by faith rather than by sight. You and I have been guilty of violating this second commandment in more ways than we know. And the more you know, the more you know, the more trained you are, those of us who have been to seminary and so forth, the more responsible we are, the more guilty we are in a sense for our own violations, for our own violations of the second commandment. And therefore, you and I have been guilty. Not that we're better than anybody else. You and I have been guilty. We are guilty before God of not worshiping him as he has commanded and indeed of engaging in idolatry. And my friends, we cannot offer our own good intentions. The only thing we can offer the only thing that can be offered on our behalf is the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. And therefore, flee to Jesus. Flee to Jesus this day. Take this message to heart. Flee to Jesus this day. Repent of your idolatry. Repent of all your sins. Flee to Jesus. Because he is the one who offered the perfect worship on our behalf. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And our Father, we pray that thy Holy Spirit would take this message and would apply it. Oh God, in this hour, in this moment, apply this message. Enable us, oh God, to have the eyes of faith not depend upon images or idols. Give us the grace, O God, to do that. And in this moment, each one of us, in his or her heart, to trust in Jesus as the one who is the Son of God who offered perfect worship and paid the price for our idolatry. O God. O God. Have mercy, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.